It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. is Red Sox beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it. Because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. So don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player for another ceremony. No, no. Like Now, to your hosts. All right, Red Sox fans, welcome in Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Radio. Full crew this week, of course. You can find us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat. Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes if you don't already. Of course, you're probably listening to us on Stitcher, the mobile app, wherever you are. Appreciate you tuning in. Of course, we are brought to you by Blue Apron. Uh, don't forget if you go to blueapron.com backslash Red Sox Beat, uh, you will get your first three meals for free with free shipping. It's a great program, uh, great deal. So go on, check it out, uh, and you'll get your first three meals for free. Um, very exciting times. Red Sox uh, regular season is over, and that means uh, we're moving on to the playoffs. Uh, full crew here, Lauren, Jess, myself. Uh, what's going on, guys? Very exciting stuff going on. Very exciting. I'm so excited. It's playoff baseball time, and we have so much to talk about, so I'm really excited. We haven't done a show with playoffs yet. This is exciting. Yeah, the three of us have not done a playoff show, um, and I will consider this the first one. Because yeah, the Red even Sox though we'll also talk about the regular season, but <laughs> yeah, but it's our first show after the regular season, so very exciting right. stuff. Red Sox, despite pretty much backing into the playoffs with losing six out of their last eight games, um, did win the division still. So not obviously to be taken lightly. They will play the Cleveland Indians uh, in the ALDS. They will start in Cleveland Thursday night. Uh, Rick Porcello gets the ball. Uh, David Price will get the ball in game two. They made the right decision. We'll touch on that a little later as we kind of preview some of the playoff stuff going on here. But um, this week, guys, we had the Yankees series. We had the Blue Jays series. A bunch of David Ortiz hoopla going on here at Fenway Park this weekend. Um, and before we get into any of that, I, I want to just kind of send it over to you, Jess, so we can kind of break down the week that was, the importance of these games, and kind of what happened little by little here during the week. Yeah, first of all, I'd like to apologize for you guys missing the last uh, show because me and Nick had a blast talking about a perfect 7-0 and week. You don't get to do that much, and we really <laughs> no, enjoyed you don't. it. So. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it happens. I was moving. This is my first show in my new house, so it, it was very exciting. And you missed so few shows, and you missed the one there was 7-0. and I was like, oh, Jared. <laughs> right? I know. We always predict the 7-0 and week, or someone, someone tries to, and it never actually happens. I know, but it actually happened. So I apologize on your guys' behalf, Lauren. I'm sorry. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. And you missed the week before where they also played incredible, so I really feel bad for you. But anyway. I know, and I come <laughs> back, back and they're playing awful, so maybe I'm the X Factor here. Yep. You Lauren, go stay off the show. See you. All right, bye. <laughs> All right, well, this week, uh, no, it was, I mean, it was a lot of close games. It wasn't as bad of a week as it may look. Um, Tuesday against the Yankees, this was the, looking for the 12th straight win in a row after an 11-game winning streak that me and Nick discussed in detail last week. Uh, this was a 6-4 loss to the Yankees. Uh, David Price started, and he was garbage. Six and a third innings, 12 hits, six runs, only two strikeouts, gave up three dingers. And his ERA went back up over 4-0-4. Um, the Red Sox offense was sticking around for sure. Um, 
after it was three nothing Yankees after five. Uh, Pedroia made it three to one with an RBI single. Betts made it three to two with a ground out. Uh, Gregorius hit a home run off Price in the sixth to make it four two. Aaron Hill pinch hit and hit a home run in the seventh to make it four three. Dustin Pedroia tied the game at four with an RBI single in the seventh also. And in the bottom of the seventh, Tyler Austin had a two-run homer to make it 6-4. That was the final. The story of this game, guys, was every single time the Red Sox offense came back, which was numerous times, David Price gave up a run right afterwards in the same inning. Yeah, I think I look at this game as a concern. Um, as the, you know, as the season winds down, yet closer to the playoffs, you put David Price in a big spot. Um Chance to clinch the division. All you got to do is win this game. Magic numbers one, and he comes out and sucks. And it's just, it's kind of ridiculous to look at this and say, um, obviously he's pitched well since the whole second half here, and he's done a really good job. But it's starting to get to crunch time, and you put him in a tough situation, and he fails. And it's cause for concern moving forward, because considering his playoff history as well. Yeah, no doubt. It's um, definitely a concern. And like you said, he'd been pitching really well, especially his last few starts. He was really pitching like an ace. And to see this right before heading into the playoffs, and even though he's getting the ball for game two, it's just like, it's definitely a little concerning to to watch that. And he's been terrible against the Yankees all year. It's, this is not the first time this has happened. It's happened several times, and he, for some reason, he just has no idea to pitch against them. And you know, this was an easy spot, easy, easy situation to get to twelve straight wins. The offense was clicking; they kept coming back. It's, it was a bummer because really, really easily could have been twelve in a row and just knocked the Yankees further out. But Price was not able to execute, so uh, the division was not clinched at this point. I had to wait till the next day. So the next game was on uh, Wednesday. And this was one of the stranger games of the year, for sure. Uh, it was scoreless through seven innings. Claybaugh Colts, dominant. Six innings, one hit, no runs, two walks, six strikeouts. Can't say enough about that guy. And then Brian Mitchell on the other side for the Yankees pitched seven innings, only gave out two hits also. Five walks, but no damage, no runs. So it was a really well-pitched game. Um, the Sox scored two in the eighth on a Mookie bet, three in the eighth, excuse me, on a Mookie Betts, two RBI double and uh, Ortiz scoring on a pass ball. It's 3-0 after 8. Looking pretty good. Um, and then in the ninth inning of the game, Red Sox fans found out that the Red Sox won the division because of the result of the Baltimore-Toronto game. So they'd already won, and then Craig Kimbrell had already won the division. Craig Kimbrell came out and loaded the bases with no outs and walked in a run through 28 pitches without getting a single out and then had to be pulled for Joe Kelly and... Joe Kelly came in, got two outs, was looking good, and gave up a meatball. Mark Teixeira, grand slam. 5-3, to three, Yankees win. Didn't matter. Red Sox won the division anyway. Walked off the field, all dejected. Went in the dugout, in the clubhouse. John Farrell boosted him up with a good speech. Expletives ablaze and a nice, fun celebration. I thought it was awesome. Weird, Really weird game, but awesome in the end. Yeah, it really threw me off. Like I had to like process <laughs> what was going on because you lose and you hate to lose. Especially that's like the worst way you could have lost. And then, then but then they they walk in the locker room and it's you show you see it and it's awkward. They none of them want to touch the bottles. Like it's awkward and all of a sudden it just happens and then it breaks loose. I love that Nesson wasn't afraid to just keep it there and let them swear and let them go at it. Um, <laughs> magical moment, of course, watching them celebrate in the locker room. I think it's awkward. Um, and of course, we want them to celebrate more for more meaningful things. Winning the division's a big deal, but obviously the job's not done. But that being said, Kimbrel was terrible in this game, and this is the concern. There's multiple notes here within this week that Kimbrel was not good, and it's not a good thing for your stud closer who's supposed to lock down games for you to have a terrible week, if not two weeks, going into the playoffs where you need him, especially with, with starting pitching being shaky after Price and Porcello, and even Price because you don't know what he's, you're going to get from David Price in the playoffs. You need a guy who can shut down at the back end of this bullpen, and I'm afraid of Craig Kimbrel right now. Yeah, it's not fun to watch, and it's not a good feeling when he comes on the mound and you just have this feeling in your stomach that it's not going to go well, and he just walks way too many people. It's just like walk after walk after walk, and you know, even though they won the division that night, it's still like, I'm glad they got to celebrate. I loved watching them celebrate, but it's in the back of my mind, I'm like, they still lost because Kimbrell <laughs> sucks and could not get it together for whatever reason. He can't get it together. He's supposed to be one of the best closers out there and he can't close out a game. He like just said 28 pitches without recording an out. And it's just, that's not something he can do in the playoffs. Cause it's, it's playoffs. It's crunch time. And I, I don't know. Like, we don't have somebody else who can 
who can save these games, and it's it's that's one huge concern that I have going into the playoffs. Well, I'm sure Koji would be fine, but you don't want to rely on a 40 year old guy to be closing games. I mean, yeah, it's it's a concern definitely with Kimbrel. He was pitch, he pitched incredible for the last couple months before that, so I'm not necessarily concerned. I mean, always the walks always concern me just because you never want to walk guys, and he has a wild side to him. But we'll cover that a little bit later. Going more into this game, I don't think it was awkward at all. I don't care what happened in this game. This is one inning of 162 games. What John Farrell said in the locker room: "Don't let one in, one bad inning." like cloud your mind for the whole season this has been an excellent season i don't care what happened in this game you know one bad inning kimbrell didn't do well kelly came into a bad situation gave up a grand slam you lose who cares they deserved every right to celebrate i i like that they celebrate every achievement because it's a long season it's a ton of months and it's hard to win and they did great they celebrated i loved it i had zero problem with it oh i never said i, I had a problem with it i just said it was awkward because it's, I, why why though you don't think the players thought that was super awkward for like 10 minutes just thinking of like we just got screwed by a walk-off grand slam and then they go in the, in the locker room pissed and go wait oh yeah we have to celebrate we kind of just won the division like as a player i would think that was awkward i'm not saying it had to be awkward the entire time i don't think it was but right away it definitely was i mean i'm sure it probably felt awkward in the beginning for them kind of being like we just lost on and but they had so much reason to celebrate and I loved what Joe Kelly said he was like oh I was mad for a minute and then he got over it because he realized that because he could pop bottles yeah and they could let loose and just have fun and kind of forget about the loss but they probably I mean it probably was a little bit awkward for them in the beginning and then they're like oh whatever we're getting drunk so this is going to be fun I think Pedroia's expression did it perfectly. When he walked off the field, he looked at Bogarts and just shrugged his shoulders. And he probably was just thinking, you know what, we lost the game. Whatever, let's go celebrate. I think he had the right attitude about it. And he was just like, oh, well, <laughs> what are you going to do? It happened. He always has so. the right attitude. Yeah, he does. And I think that's what the players should follow. And I'm glad Farrell took charge because he was like, hey, you know what, whatever. It's one game. It's concerning, but it's one game. So I was cool with it. Um so that was that. Very strange night. One of the strangest celebrations you'll see for sure, but well-deserved. Okay, let's bring us into Thursday. Looking to get swept in three games, and well, not looking to, but <laughs> it happened. 5-1 um, to one Yankees win. Henry Owens started this game, and honestly, he wasn't that bad. Um, really not bad at all. They pulled him before it got, could get bad. Gave up two runs in four and two-thirds innings. Six strikeouts, only two walks. That's not much for him, but the offense was not happening against CC Sabathia. Xander Bogart said a home run the fourth and that was it for the offense only four hits off Sabathia so really clean sweep I mean the Sox swept the Yankees at the most important point um, in the four game series so yeah the Red Sox fell, fell a little bit here on the three game road trip a little faltering after a huge winning streak you know weird luck with the uh, price not pitching well and then with the walk off grand slam obviously so this was the only game the Yankees really won one I'd say so you know Sabathia just pitched pitch well yeah, I think this is the game that you just kind of ran into good pitching. Um, CC had like a somewhat decent year um, for a team that's just not wasn't good. Um, I know they had a good run; they almost made the playoffs. But I think this this game was the one that, if you looked back and lost this game, you would have said, "Yeah, okay, whatever." You ran into CC, you had a good night; it happens. But I think their other two games were tough. But this one was really wasn't a big deal because, like I said, CC just pitched really well. Yeah, he pitched really well, and you don't want, you don't ever want to get swept by by the Yankees, but really by any team, but he was just, Sabathia was, just looked great that night, had everything going for him, and we just couldn't figure him out. Yeah, it happens, right? You run into good pitching occasionally. Even great offense like the Red Sox, it happens occasionally. So, that was that. Swept by the Yankees, three-lane losing streak, following an 11-game winning streak. Brought us into Friday against Toronto, which was another big series, because they were fighting for a playoff spot, the Sox were fighting for home field advantage, um, and Friday's game was good. It was a uh, it was a fun game. It was a five to three win. A nice little comeback. Uh, the pitcher matchup was Rick Porcello against Marco Estrada. Porcello went six innings, eight hits, three runs, six strikeouts. Not one of his sharper games, but just as he always does, six innings, three runs or less. That's what he does. Uh, Dustin Pedroia had three hits in this game. David Ortiz hit a home run. Um, just a quick run of the line. Ortiz made it one nothing in the first with the RBI single. Donaldson tied up with a sack fly in the fifth. Batista had a two-run homer off Porcello to make it 3-1. to one. But the size came back. Um, Pedroia RBI single in the seventh to make it 3-2. Mookie Betts made it 3-3 with an RBI single to tie it up. 
And then in the same inning, in the seventh inning, right afterwards, David Ortiz hit a two-run homer, 38th of the season, 5-3 to three win. Porcello didn't get the win, but he finished the season with a really solid 3.15 ERA, and David Ortiz was David Ortiz. David Ortiz is just awesome. I love David Ortiz. Um, this, ga- <laughs> this game, um, it was it was it was good to watch. I think David Ortiz is a reason why you won the game, and obviously it's a big deal. But um, obviously, hopefully, he continues into the playoffs. But um, it's good to get a win, especially considering what you just kind of went through with the Yankees. Um, wasn't sure a little bit going into this one, but um, they did a really good job, uh, obviously bouncing back after being swept. Um, and Ortiz was the hero, like always. I just feel like David Ortiz can do no wrong, and he's really done no wrong this this entire regular season. And to start off his final series at home with something like with a win and him being a huge contributor to it is like so 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 fun for him. I I love him. <laughs> Super appropriate for sure, definitely yeah. And before this game, the uh, Red Sox honored him. They showed all of the work that he's done with David Ortiz. Uh, children's Fund saved 563 children's lives with heart surgeries, um, and a few of them were there to uh, to see him. So that was a really cool moment, the first of three ceremonies. Um, I thought that was a good touch just to make everyone aware who you know maybe wasn't aware all that he's done in the Dominican and how many lives he saved. All right, so let's move on here to uh, Saturday's game, another Kimbrel game. Um, Four to three loss in this one. It was it was not not an ideal uh, outcome. Especially, you really wanted to win, stay ahead of Cleveland. Um, Rodriguez, Eduardo Rodriguez, didn't pitch well at the beginning. Ended up, you know, salvaging the outing, striking out nine in five innings. Jay Happ was not as sharp either early. Neither of them were sharp. Ton of walks in this game. Uh, Thirteen walks total for both teams combined. Only nine hits. So it's really all about the walks and. Um, the Sox tied the game in the eighth at three on a Roberto Osuna balk. Mookie Betts scored, make it 3-3. And then right after the Sox tied it up, Kimbrell came in. He walked Michael Saunders. They pinch hit Dalton Pompey. He went to second on a sack bunt, went to third in a horrendous wild pitch, and scored on an Ezekiel Carrera sack fly to make it 4-3. No hits needed, just a walk and some good baseball. And Toronto won 4-3 and took the second game in the series. You know, this is when you wanted to push into extra innings, see what your offense can do, and Kimball didn't give him a chance. Yeah, it's n- another concern of mine. And I, I, I don't understand, Jess, how you can look at this week and not be concerned because, one, the team backed in. I understand they're, they're, they're resting guys. They're not playing meaningful games. They're, they're kind of, they know they're playing, but they're still playing for something. They're playing in for home field. They're playing for a chance to start at home, and this is a game where you win this game, you're in pretty good shape to do so. Um, and, and you're riding high. You should have had home field against Cleveland. You blew that all this week, and Kimball was a big reason why. I'm very concerned with Craig Kimball. I, I, I'm thinking about it more and more, and I'm, I'm afraid. I hope Farrell doesn't put him in any close situations. He probably has to, um, but if it's not a safe situation, this guy just isn't in the right headspace. Yeah, I mean, again, it's another game that he came in where we're trusting him to close it out, and again, it's just like just I didn't need any hits. It's it's walks. It's wild pitches. It's just it's out of and it's, he just doesn't have any control over his pitches anymore. It seems like and I don't know if he's just not a hundred percent healthy or if there's an underlying injury somewhere. Like I I'm just I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> he he never really gives it that many hits. It's always walks. It really is always walks. He's not control. He, his Dangerous. fastball is very out of control. And it's the worst part about it is it is his fastball. It's not his curveball. It's, I'd be less afraid his if it's curveball. His curveball. Yeah, I'd be less afraid if he's yeah. just missing with his curveball, but he's missing with his best pitch. Right, and it's weird because sometimes he's really on and just is like locked in, and then other times he's just all over the place. It's a little too inconsistent what you want for supposedly the, one of the best closers in the league. I mean, he has been one of the best closers in the league for several years. So hopefully he can snap together. Uh, in this game, the ceremony for Ortiz was um, the whole 2016 Boston Celtics team um, current Bruins and former Bruins, Bobby Orr, Ray Bork, and then uh, four Patriots from the past. Also a couple Marathon Bomber survivors. Uh, Pete Frades was there. So another ceremony, uh, different people coming out and honoring Ortiz, which was awesome as well. It was fun to see the whole Celtics team out there with Ortiz shirts on. Yeah, it was weird because they were wearing 34 Celtics jerseys and it wasn't Paul, Paul Pierce. <laughs> Especially considering he just announced his retirement. So, like, 
It's one of those right. things where it just looked weird. Um, I'll talk more about the ceremonies later. Yeah, of course you will. <laughs> uh, brings in a Sunday. Um, another Toronto win, two to one. That was today, Sunday. Two one loss. Uh, Aaron Sanchez had uh, six no hit innings. Hanley Ramirez had a home run off him and blew it for him. But Brad's either gave up a run the next inning to make it two to one. And the Jays won. I think everyone was shell shocked from the ceremony because this today was a real ceremony, um, longer ceremony. Former Red Sox players from previous championships came out. Um, his whole family, his dad. Um, they gave they uh, they named the bridge David Ortiz Bridge and David Ortiz Drive. They said they're going to retire his number next year. Um, so he got a whole lot of stuff today. Uh, he was exhausted. And so nobody really did much on offense. And it's too bad because if the Sox won, they could have forced the Indians to play their makeup game tomorrow. Now they don't have to because the Indians locked up the second seed. It's a tough loss, but, I mean, really that comes with the territory with such a that celebration that it was today. Boy, was it nice. Yeah, it was a good ceremony. I enjoyed this one. Um, and I think that this game... One thing was cool about this game, too, and I know, I don't know if we're going to note it later, but one thing was cool is that with that home run for Hanley, uh, it's actually the first time in Sox history that three players have had 30 homers and 100-plus RBI in one season. In the Red Sox history, and I think it was like the 13th time in Major League Baseball history it happened for a team. So um, really cool feat happened today for the Sox, despite the loss. Um, Hanley, with that home run that was very close to being foul, um, put, him, put this team in very high class. Yeah, it's. I was super pumped when he hit it. I was like, yes, 30 home runs, Hanley Ramirez. I was jacked up. It was awesome. Incredible offense this year for everybody. It really was, and it's been nice to see that it's from everyone. You know, obviously we have our players like Ramirez, Ortiz, and, it, but just to see everybody contribute like game after game, it's this offense has been just been so much fun to watch all year. Sure has, so... We'll get into more David Ortiz. Uh, MVP of the week, I'm giving it to David Ortiz because the Sox didn't play well, and he's the man, and he still had good games. He hit the home run. It was all about him this week, and this whole season's been about him, so let's give MVP to David Ortiz in his last week. And least valuable player, Craig Kimbrell. Yeah, very least, like bottom of the barrel, least. Um, so for one thing before we re- re- uh, kind of go through the recap, do you think that David Ortiz is relieved that the ceremonies are over. And now you can just go focus on playoff baseball? Oh, yeah. He said as much. He said in his post-game press conference, I watched the whole thing, he said he's glad it's over. He can focus, get a couple, couple of days of rest and uh, focus on the playoffs. So, yeah, it's been a lot. He's gotten, he's gotten honored in every, in every uh, stadium, and it's been a long process. He's got a ton of requests for everything, handled it all in stride, done his best, did a great job, and had the most incredible season for the last season in history. So I'd say he did pretty good. He has a right to be tired. Yeah, no doubt he has a right to be tired. It's it's a long season. We all know that. And, you know, between travel and the games and his his feet. So it, I'm, of course he's glad it's over. And like you said, he can rest. He can really just put his mind to, to play off baseball. And, of course, he is the MVP for the week. No shocker there that Jess gives him the MVP. Um, And that is uh, the recap this week. Uh, Of course, it is brought to you by our good friends over at Blue Apron. Um, Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron achieves this, of course, by supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients, and building a community of home chefs. Um, has a huge impact on the household. Cooking together builds strong family bonds. Research shows that Blue Apron families cook nearly three times more often. Those who spend a lot eating out or at high-end grocery chains can now spend under $10 per person for a delicious meal. Um, I just moved into a new house, and I had a shipment waiting for me the day I moved. It was great because I didn't want to deal with it. <laughs> um, and it was nice to kind of use that after moving into this weekend. So um, that was big. I know you two are, are still using it regularly as well. That's a perfect perfect thing for you uh have that lined up for you that's that's nice. what places like blue that's the blue aprons for that's like oh you have a long day where you can't cook cool we'll cook for you yeah Love we'll it. show you the steps it was it was awesome so um for less than ten dollars a meal blue aprons delivering seasonal recipes along with 
pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Boyfriend knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals, so they set the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers. Um, you can check out this week's menu, of course, uh, for the entire month and this week. Um, and, of course, you can get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash redsoxbee. It's a great deal. Um, if you aren't using Blue Apron, go check it out. Um, you'll love how good it feels and it tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. Of course, again, that's blueapron.com slash redsoxbeat. Uh, Blue Apron, a better way to cook. And, of course, we love having them on as a show sponsor. Um, and we all love them. Of course, like I said, it makes my life so much easier moving into the new house. So um, that being said, guys, a lot a lot going on this week other than baseball. Red Sox clinched early in the week. We had other stuff going on. Um, let's start with David Ortiz and the ceremonies. Um, I'm going to let you guys go first. <laughs> um, what did you guys think of them celebrating him all weekend the, the, the monotony of it was it too much or was it enough i i loved it i mean you know me i love ceremonies and i'm all for them i i didn't realize i knew they were going to be doing stuff all weekend i didn't think it was, it was going to be as be as big as it was obviously today i knew it was going to be a big one but i really liked the celtics the bruins um i really liked how they had the marathon survivors there it's just a nice added touch to them and I definitely think it brightened up the weekend because it was such a crap weekend here. And I think they did a great job with it. I I don't really think it was over the top or anything, but that's just me. I love ceremonies. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. I mean, yeah, they actually did a little more on Friday and Saturday than I expected them to do, which I was obviously cool with. Um, just showing his impact on the community and the Dominican was awesome. And then to have those players get to come out and see him in honor one last time, IT getting a little autograph, Isaiah Thomas on the Celtics. That was fun. Um, yeah, I thought, it, I thought it was great that they did all, did all those things. That way everyone who paid a ton of money each day for the weekend series could see a little something on their, uh, on their, their day. They got to see him one more time. Then obviously the big one today, that was awesome. Getting his number retired next year. That is epic and like we said here first player in Sox history to not be in the hall of fame to have their number retired totally deserving three championships that's all you have to say numbers aside three championships that's 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 pretty much all you need to say i thought all the ceremonies were totally totally deserving Uh, i can't get enough of them i wanted more i don't think it was monotonous at all i thought it was a great touch extremely well done and who better to do a weekend long ceremony for than one of the best players in red sox history see this weekend is why i hate the red sox ownership i I love how dare they honor the best one of the best players you've ever seen i'm not saying that they they? shouldn't i'm not saying they should have honored him my point (laughs) is is that it should have been one day it should have been today it's just you you honor him friday it's like saying these ceremonies are like saying goodbye and that you're saying goodbye, and then they're coming back the next day, and then they're saying goodbye again, and they're sa- and they're coming back the next day. Today made sense. Today was a great ceremony. I loved it because he deserves it. But three days, and I get the billboards. Billboards are cool, whatever. The, the outfield grass was awesome. I hope they keep that all postseason. Um, all that stuff I'm cool with. It's just, why three days of it? Like, I, I turned it off, to be completely honest. I, I turned it off and then went back to the game because I thought it was too much. I thought that. The Red Sox were overplaying it. The three days was insanely long. Um, they could have fit Celtics and Bruins into today. They could have done more. To t- like I, I know today was long, but you could have squeezed everything you wanted to into one ceremony and made it more meaningful because spreading it out almost waters them down. I think it made it more fun. I don't think it really watered it down. And Jess, I like what you said that for the weekend, that anyone who paid for the weekend kind of got a, like a ceremony each day. Exactly. and. I don't know if you guys just humored yourself and looked at prices of tickets for this weekend or for even today, but the cheapest I found was like one seventy nine for standing room for today. <laughs> and I just think like I mean that's a crazy amount of money and I understand why people are gonna spend that, but you know, you're gonna spend that kind of money and it's just them giving back to the fans as well. I don't think it watered it down at all. Yeah, you gotta think about everything. You gotta think about what the fans are there to see, what money they're paying. They're good to see him for the last time. All these people going on different days. Why not do it every day? What as a Red Sox fan, why would you turn it off? What is wrong with you? Why the heck would you turn that off? This is David Ortiz. This is the guy you've watched your entire life, and you're going to turn it off because it's too much or water down? What? Who are you, Jared? Come on. I am a guy who loves celebrating David Ortiz. I'm the biggest David Ortiz supporter, but this ownership is too much, and this is a prime example. Like It's the brick thing. It's this. It's that. It's way too much for three days. Like Just 
put it to one day. Like, I don't understand. I understand why fans who went would want something for their game because they spent the money. I get that. But as a whole, it just is so much for a three-game series that isn't his last games. I understand it's the last regular season game. That's why today is fine. But the whole weekend, it's just dragged out. But it's not like they did a ceremony today the other two days. They kept it simple. They kept it meaningful. And it's not, like I said, it's not, it wasn't long and drawn out. Like, I know today it was, was like long. 15 minutes. Yeah, and it was, I thought, I thought it was just such a nice touch, and especially to just include, I love that they include the Bruins, and of course, like, the Marathon Survivors. It's obviously something close to Ortiz. And it's just, it was meaningful to him. It's meaningful to the fans. And, and I don't really think anyone's a huge fan of the ownership in Boston, but... This is, I, I, I don't know. I, I could see you turning it off if it was like a 45-minute ceremony each game. I could because that would have been way too drawn out and way too overdramatic. But it was perfect for what the time they were given for what they did. And it was just a perfect way to, to keep honoring Ortiz. In fact, I think it's exactly the opposite. I would say it's watered down if you tried to get all that stuff into one day. They're spreading it out so you don't have too much in each day. Like, it's it's perfect. You do a certain amount this day, a certain amount that day, bigger one on Sunday. Today's ceremony would be like two hours long if they tried to fit everything into the one ceremony. There's no point. If they're going to they're gonna honor him that much, which they should, and they did, which is awesome, they should do it all, all weekend and give everyone a little chance to do it. I'm sorry. That's just – I disagree with you on everything. I, cu- I couldn't disagree with you more on this. See – the thing is, and I understand what you're saying, is like, okay, you spread it out, it's, you want to do all this stuff, and you might not be able to fit into one day, but some of the stuff might have not needed to happen. Um, like, I understand, like, the Dominican president coming, because the impact he had on the, on, the, on, the, on the Dominican as a whole. I understand the Red Sox players, his old teammates coming. Love seeing Manny in a Red Sox uniform again. Love myself to Manny Ramirez. Um, Bruins and Celtics? Yeah debatable um could have maybe been left out other stuff like that like you need to keep it simple you need to keep it concise to the most meaningful moments boston marathon obviously had to be in there um because of everything he meant during that time obviously uh the quote he said when he was talking at the stadium right after it happened like all that stuff was super meaningful the things he impacted on and off the field um Celtics and Bruins I could have done without, not a huge deal, other stuff like that. Um, you could have fit this all into one day, and that's my point. I understand why you guys could see it being a good thing to spread it out for three days, and, and I can see that argument. But my point is this situation comes into the point of you, you have three games here that don't really matter, and obvi- I think it's just them drawing interest in a weekend. Um, I think it's just using David Ortiz. Like, there's patches on all their sleeves, like all that crap. Like, not needed. Like Wait doesn't matter. We're like, going for home like, field advantage in the like, first round. Well, clearly they didn't care because they weren't trying. Um, look, I just think that this ga- this whole series, like they were treating him like the guy died. Like that's what I look at this whole weekend. Like it was like a tribute to a guy who just passed away. Patches on their arms, all this stuff happening. Like I love David Ortiz, and it might not sound like that right now, but the three days is just way too much. I think you're just crazy. I- I've been called crazy so. plenty of times. Not gonna lie, but it's, it's not like it's not like a David Ortiz comes around every other day. Like this is a big deal. You might not see another player like this in your lifetime. No, okay. So other we sports act like he dies. He's worth that. Okay, <laughs> so when Paul Pierce comes back, are they gonna celebrate him all week? Games leading up to the, end of the regular season, like are they gonna? Unfortunately, do that? he's not still on the team. If he was, they probably would. I highly doubt it. Because well, baseball is a little different than basketball too. You can do more. The field's bigger than the court. <laughs> okay, but I'm not, I'm not complaining that. about the boards. I'm not complaining about the field and all that stuff. I'm just complaining about the number of ceremonies there were. I just think three was too many. Oh, we all know you hate ceremonies anyway, which we've discussed on the show before. So, yeah, I, like the, I like the Sunday ceremony. I didn't hate that one. Like that one was good. It was respectful. It catered to what needed to happen. All the players came back. It was awesome to watch. But that's it. That's all you need. You don't need three. You got problems, man. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> uh, you you drained you, all my positive energy. I will tell you, I'm not the only one who has said this, so it's not just me going crazy. Yeah, you're the only one who said it to me, and that's all that matters to me. So I am going to put a positive spin on this and say that David Ortiz is God, and he is <laughs> an amazing human being, and he is incredible. I celebrated my birthday today, and all I wanted the day to be about was David Ortiz. This was all about David Ortiz. He's the man. He's the greatest player I've ever seen play baseball in a Red Sox uniform. 
Hall of Famer, absolutely no doubt. Number retired, love it. This guy is everything that is Boston baseball. He changed Boston baseball. He probably made a lot more fans than the Sox would have had normally with everything he did. This guy, I can't say enough about him, and I'm sure we'll say more about him when the playoffs keep happening. But, oh, if there's anybody who deserves a fourth championship in his final season, it's this guy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's just like I could talk for hours about him. And it's obvious that he's an amazing baseball player. And even off the field, just like the video tribute of all like the kids he's helped. And you know, they had the, the child from the Dominican today. And just like the things he does for the kids and just to see their, their faces light up, too. It's just like, ugh, like how much better can this guy get? One thing I do agree with that the Red Sox are doing is the fact that they did announce today they're going to retire his number next year. Um I do agree with that because yeah, that's awesome. That there's no no one else is going to wear 34. They'd be stupid to not retire right away, yeah. even though I mean he's going to be in the Hall of Fame at some point. Whether he's first ballot or not is obviously a debate. Um, I think obviously he is, but people in the writers the stupid steroid situation. But it's right and the for designated the, hitter. Yeah, and the whole DH thing. But it's right for them to say come out and retire his number. Um, you kind of got a hint of it when they tweeted out the Red Sox did that you could like go because they have his number set up like they do with the other numbers right by the train station right there outside of Fenway, um, that walkway leading up right. to the uh, commuter rail out there. Um, they, they made a number for him. So obviously you knew they were retiring his number because those are all retired numbers. So um, they definitely hinted at it before they made the announcement today. But I, I think that part of it was awesome because that's something that he definitely deserves. Um, for the first time ever, they're retiring someone's number who doesn't, isn't in the Hall of Fame. And it, I can't imagine someone else being more fitting for that first ever kind of achievement. Oh, absolutely. It's so fitting. I love it. I can't wait to see it happen. It's, and just the, the amount of things that he does, like behind the scenes for all these different people, like this request, that request, and just how he does it all with a smile and everything. He's just like, he's so aware of everything and how much impact. You know, some of these guys don't realize the impact they have on people, and he does, and he always does, and he never forgets that. And you read all the stories about him. I know Peter Abraham had a whole year-long, like, account of all different stories about Ortiz. I know you read that, Lauren, and it was just, like, it's so cool. Like, he does so many things, and he affects so many people that you don't even know about. That was a cool article. That was such a great piece by him. He did such a good job with that, and it just captured everything perfectly. And just the fact that he's, that Pete Abraham spent this season working on it just kind of also reflects the kind of person David Ortiz is. Yeah, that article was really good, and I, I think Pete A was really awesome to do that piece, and I think that reading that was, was awesome. Um, I, I, like you guys said, we could talk about David Ortiz for four hours. So um, moving forward, we do have playoffs to talk about, which is very exciting because, I, I mean, all, all of us predicted they'd be in the playoffs to some extent. Um, I know Lawrence still has. Wait, you did? Hopes. Yeah, I said the wild card game. Okay, you said the wild card. All right. Yeah. Come on. I'll give now. you a little credit. They, I, they, I said they'd make like the playoffs, just not the division. Did you say they were going to win the division? Either. I don't think you did, right? Uh, no, I said wild card too. You I said, said wild card. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, I said that. The, I think I said they'd win a division. I was all, all in for this you team. Did, yeah, yeah, you said you said division and World Series, like so. And you were smart, man. Looking you're smart. on it. Looking smart now. <laughs> um, yeah. So that road to the World Series for Lawrence starts Thursday. Rick Porcello on the mound, getting the getting the game one nod. David Price, game number two. Better. Now, Who better I think than Rick Porcello? this is definitely the right decision, um, but I'm actually shocked they made the right decision. Let's go with that. Um, I was very shocked to see that they didn't just put David Price at number one um, because of the stature of who he is and how he, he did pitch really well down the stretch except for the last start. So, I'm shocked, but I'm not. I'm very happy because come Thursday, you're going to have the American League Cy Young Award winner pitching Game One. <laughs> That's the smartest thing you've said all night. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. The only thing you smart said all night. <laughs> yeah. You guys are awful. Yeah, it's awesome. Give I me mean, Nick. I Where's Nick? Nick will agree with me on everything. <laughs> no, he won't. <laughs> oh, Nick and I Nick were on my. Oh, oh, Nick was talking about how it was watered down this this morning. Oh, come on, Nick. Button me down. <laughs> Jeez. Anyway, back to Porcello. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't. If you say like I can't believe they made the right decision, you. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you think about the organization. Nobody in their right mind would be able to make that decision and put Price <laughs> in the first game. Are you kidding? You got a guy who's probably going to win Cy Young on your team, and you're going to start a guy who's supposed to be right. Supposed to be right. Even Adam admitted that Porcello should start like a week ago, and that was a miracle because I've been fighting him all, all season on it. 
Well, you were fighting has. me too, because like I was, I'm, I was until this week, I was still set on Price pitching game one. So, oh, yeah. So both of you, and now you finally come around. It only took Porcello getting 22 wins in a season where he was supposed to be like a third or fourth starter. So you good know, job, guys. But you he's know, the man. You Love know, what's weird too about the series? Game two is Kluber versus Price. Like if if you said to me at the beginning of the season they were going to play each other, that would have been your game one matchup, right? I mean, everyone will assume so. Oh, definitely. Yeah, seems like a game one matchup. Yeah, that is funny. But well, who are they starting? Trevor Bauer in the first game? I believe so. Because of rest or whatever, I guess. Is I what think the so. Deal is. But it's uh, funny. Yeah, yeah. And, and they don't have Carrasco or Salazar. No. And, and the thing is, I'm very confident in the Red Sox, despite not having home field. They have they were tied with the Cubs, I believe, for the second most road team road wins in the season. Um, this team is a very good road team. So really good. They won. They got. They won the division based on road games, essentially. Yeah, exactly. So, not worried at all. You're going to play a Cleveland team. This is the, probably the best case scenario for you in the first round situation. You would have if you if you were if you took over Texas, you would have had to play one of the teams in your division. And you know, as much as you think you're a better team, I wouldn't want to play the Blue Jays. And the Orioles can beat you every once in a while. So, I think Cleveland's a better matchup in the situation of. They're hurt, they're banged up, they lost some pitching, and game one right away you can set the tone because Rick Porcello's going to go in there and be Rick Porcello, and you have a guy on the other side who has, doesn't have any playoff experience. Yeah, I don't think you'd want to play Cleveland normally if they had their their whole team, but with oh, Salazar well, yeah. and Carrasco, they're, they're, they're second and third best pitchers out. I mean, with this offense that the Sox have against guys who aren't pitching normally because these two guys are out, that's a recipe for success if I ever saw one. Well, everyone was pitching. Everyone was pitching them as the favorite to win the World Series until those guys went down. Exactly. Totally changed now. Hundred percent changed. And it's always Which fun. To, it's always fun to see Terry Francona again and Mike Napoli now. Oh, see, I'm so torn because I love Mike cel- Mike Napoli celebration postseason stuff, but like now it can't <laughs> happen because then the Red Sox <laughs> lose that. I just love, like, I've watched so much of the Cleveland Indians videos, celebrations, because it was Mike Napoli was just insane, as always. Um, I love Mike. I miss Mike Napoli. Um, This is the one thing that I wanted to touch on, too, because this is kind of a big deal with the the situation. Cleveland has the manager edge. you got Terry Francona versus John Farrell. No-brainer, Terry Francona's the better manager. So I'm just afraid that you might lose a game in this series or two because of John Farrell. I mean, yeah, yeah it's, it's possible, and we all know what Terry Francona is capable of. We saw him here for many years, but, you know, I, going into the series, you know, John Farrell was under Terry Francona for a number of years as well, and John Farrell's led this team to the World Series before. So it's definitely going to be really interesting. Do I think Terry Francona is the better manager? Yes, but you can have the better manager, but you can have, I think we have the better team. Right, and ultimately the better team is going to get you the win. And Farrell learned all of, all from Francona, so he probably knows, you know, kind of what Francona is all about, what he does, and what decisions he makes. So he probably has a better, better sense of him than probably anybody because he was with him for so, so many years. So I'm not worried about that. The players decide the outcome. I don't think it's going to happen where it's where it's he makes a decision bad enough that it's going to lose the game. He's we lost have great like twelve offense. games for this have, team this year. He's lost twelve games for this team at least this year because yeah, of you poor say, decisions. Well, yeah. Yeah, you can say that, but the players play the game. The people he put out there puts out there, they make the plays. They make it happen. If they did well, then he'd be getting praised. You just look at the negative side where the guy didn't do well. You didn't look at the other side of what happens if he did do well, and you can't go. You can't blame loss on managers. I just don't believe. Oh that. my God! Yes, you can. Stop. You, you're, you oh. can't be serious with that. Yes, you can blame managers on. You can blame losses on managers. Are you kidding me? You you leave starters in too long. So you don't, okay? Let me ask you this then. You don't you don't blame the Aaron Boone game on Grady Little. Oh my god! I can't talk to you. I think... that's, that's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> you seriously don't blame that on Grady Little? Well, I maybe should have had a little more balls to, to take Pedro out. But if you have one of the best pitchers ever telling you that he can get the outs and get a couple more outs, you might let him too in that situation. Okay, so what if John I Farrell? I didn't agree with it, but so what if John Farrell in this playoff situation, say game two, David Price is out there pitching kind of well. Um, David Price wants to stay in. John Farrell decides to come out and it blows up in his face. You gonna blame that? Are you gonna blame him that? Or are you gonna blame the bullpen? Um, 
Well, if Price stinks it up, I'll bring, blame Price for not being a better pitcher. Well, my point is if Price is doing well and he takes him out too soon. Because we've seen that happen. Oh, oh, Well, I mean, yeah, you got to trust the bullpen to get out. You get, so you oh got a bullpen god. for a reason. Oh, my God. Lauren, you can't I mean, agree I'm, with that. Say something. Lauren, you can't, Lauren, you can't yeah, agree with that. I'm with Jess on this one. You guys are the worst. About, oh, my Lord. About, about <laughs> the bullpen. Because this is why we have the bullpen, is to get the, their starting pitchers out of jams, no matter what it is they we get into them. And I know that Farrell has made some questionable decisions and that maybe some, some games that he, he's made, he's made a few and there have been games where I could be like, okay, we can blame Farrell for this loss because if he didn't do this, it could have gone this way. But if Farrell can make a decision, you know, say game two, we're in that predicament. He, he takes out David Price too soon. Okay. Then the game blows up in his face. People could blame Farrell, but if Farrell left him in another inning and he gave up two home runs or he gave up a single or something and he, then the bullpen comes in. They could be like, well, Farrell left Price in for too long. That's his fault, too. So it could really go either way. But, it, it, you, I mean, the bullpen is there to help bail you out of these situations, not to make it worse. So you guys think that in the history of the game, every manager that's ever been blamed for a loss, it's that's wrong? No. I didn't. I mean, probably, I said. Probably most of the time. Oh, my God. I, I mean, I, you, you, you can put some of the blame on the manager, yes, but it, the manager isn't out there playing. Oh, I get that, and I understand the players have to do what they're supposed to do. But like, if you if you put a player in a terrible matchup situation, I understand they have to make the pitches. I get that players are the ones throwing the ball. But my point is, there are situations where the manager has to make the right decision, and if he does, and the and the, bull, the bullpen blows it, then it's on the bullpen. Um, and I think it's on the bullpen either way, but some blame has to go to the manager. And Jess, you're telling me that no blame has to go to the manager, and that's ridiculous. Well, I'm gonna say no blame, but you're not gonna be able. To, you're not gonna. You can't blame the manager for a loss. You can say like, oh, maybe that one decision he made with that pitcher giving up one run, maybe that wasn't the greatest thing. But then you go out and you might not score for three more innings after that. That's not the manager's fault. He's not swinging the bat. My point is that like, if so, say say he took out David Price and brought in the bullpen. The bullpen pitched great. They got out of it. Okay, then we should be praising him because he made the right decision. It's only if it goes bad that everyone's like, oh, he's the worst manager in the world. He's terrible. He's awful. He's the okay. worst thing in the face of the earth. There's no credit ever given. So you got to no. have both sides of it. In that situation, I'd probably say it was still the wrong decision. I'd say he probably got out of it, luckily. But if you pull out David See, Price too you can't, you can't win. You can't win, which is why yeah. I don't think you can blame a loss on a manager. Because I give John Farrell praise for some stuff he's done this year. I'm not saying it's all terrible. But my point is he's lost just sig- a significant amount of games. Um, based off some decisions, putting Kimberlin in a four-out save when he didn't need to do it and just not realizing certain players' attributes in certain times and little things here and there that yeah, but you, you can blame on the at No, but you also have to look at the whole thing of, like, how much work this guy gets. Like, they all have, like, specific, like, specifications of this guy needs to do this today, that guy needs to do this today, this matchup and that matchup. There's so much more that goes into it than the, just a fan like us watching being like, oh, that was a stupid decision, why do you do that? That's just, there's more to it than that. Yeah, and he makes poor decisions based off the matchups. Like, he knows See, the matchups. They have, they have the research, yet they're putting in people in certain situations that aren't good. Like, there are some explanations he makes where, oh, we wanted to keep the righty in the game. Well, why are you bringing someone else in when you can bring Robbie Ross in? Like, there's certain, like, examples throughout the year that little things like that, that his explanations just don't line up with the decisions he made, and he just doesn't sound – he tries to overexplain things. He's lost this team games. There's no question about that. Um, and that's well, the that's, only thing I'm telling you is I'm afraid of that going into the postseason. Well, that's why I'm going to say this, and everyone hates it when anyone says this, but one of us should try to go be the manager and see how we do because it's a really hard job. It's always question you can never win, which is why I'm never going to blame a manager for a loss most of the time because – there's so many decisions to make, and sometimes you make the best decision of what you have, and it still doesn't work out, and you okay, still so, get crap. But you can on. use that argument as a player, too. If you're going to blame a player for a loss, well, go try being a player. Go try hit a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. Oh, totally. I don't like to blame anybody if you lose. If you lose, you lose. It's baseball. Okay, so right. you can't use that argument for the manager if you don't want to blame the player, too. If you're going to blame the player, you have to be able to blame the manager, too. It doesn't go one way or the other. Right? But, but I'm not blaming the player specifically. I'm My point they, is, you're, you're saying the player's the one that needs to be blamed for losing a game, right? But if you if you if you don't want to blame the player, then in some situations you have to be able to blame. You have to be able to, you have to be able to put blame on both because there are parts. I mean, of I'm both not. Situations. I'm not saying that 
the player. I'm yeah, you can blame the player. Obviously, I'm going to blame the player over the manager because the player's playing the game, the manager's not. But like I said, I don't like to blame anybody because it's hard to hit a baseball. It's hard to pitch a baseball. Yeah, it's baseball. Whatever. Why do we have to blame someone all the time? God. Because that's what media does. That's what you do on the radio. Yeah, well, so. I don't like media. Media shouldn't you, you, do that. Media you, should report on the game. Jess, you are media. <laughs> yeah, and I like to report on the facts, what happens, games, oh, recaps. That's no fun. That's my thing. No, no fun. No, it's um, totally fun. All right, let, let's move on because this, we're, we're almost out of time already, and, and we want to make sure we oh get God. to everything. I've been um, out of throats on the show here. Yeah, because, you know, when people say stupid things, I, I go at you. Um, Same. <laughs> it, so we already talked about Craig Kimball. We don't need to go more into that. I do want to talk about Drew Pomerantz because um, Rob Manford spoke today, said that uh, the Red Sox had the chance to send Drew Pomerantz back. They said no. Um, now he's pitching out of the bullpen for this team. Do you mind Drew Pomerantz in the bullpen? It didn't look terrible. Um, is this something going forward? Are you mad they didn't rescind the trade? Like, just kind of give me you guys' thoughts on that whole situation after seeing that Rob Manfred basically said they got the opportunity to do and they didn't. No, I'm not mad about it. I think it's kind of cool that they were given that opportunity in the first place. Um, but the fact that they didn't rescind it kind of tells me that they do have a lot of faith in this guy, whether it's as a starter or a, a, a relief guy. And, I mean, I don't mind him being out of the bullpen. It seems to be our thing that if it, they don't work as a starter, they go to the bullpen and they seem to do a little bit better. And, I mean, I'm okay with it. He's he's young. He's he's only 27. So I'm, I think he's under under contract with the Sox for two more years, I think it is. So, And even if they stick it out with him for two more years, it, he'll only be 29 at that point. So he still has a good career ahead of him. And it's kind of a wait-and-see thing. But no, I'm, I'm, I think they made the right decision. Yeah, I'm cool with it. I mean, when something like that comes out afterwards, I mean, that looks bad. I mean, it, it looks bad, obviously, on the Padres for what they did. But I feel like it would also look bad on the Red Sox for if they were like, oh, we got some more information on you. We don't like you anymore. We're going to get rid of you. I think that might be a bad look. <laughs> Just like totally, totally canning him after after like trading for him. Like, oh, we wanted you, and now actually we don't. So we're going to get rid of you. I think that's a bad look. And not that looks matter, but I think it's smart to keep him. He's pitched well for the most part for us. He hasn't gotten a lot of run support. I'm cool with him out of the bullpen. Yeah, he hasn't pitched very well as a starter. He's His workload is the most he's ever been in his career. He's just getting in the primes career. No need to ruin him. So pitch him out of the bullpen, see how he does. Start fresh next year, probably as a starter again, and you know work on his arm strength and get him to a higher innings total. I think they're I think they're working with a fine, but I agree. That's, getting rid of him just seems kind of seems wrong to me. Yeah, I'm okay with them not rescinding the trade. I think that he, long term, you know, he's dealing with he was dealing with an injury. I think part of the problem was that the Padres didn't disclose the injury. Um, so I think we had high expectations, and then people kind of forgot that, you know, he had some injury issues. Um, so hopefully come next year he'll be healthy and ready to go. But at this point it seems like he's good enough to be in the bullpen, and, and he's looked decent. So I think it's another option, especially long-term, if one of the starters can't last. Um, he's another he's another longer option that you can rely on for three to four innings if, if something happened. Yeah, I think having someone like that who is a proven solid pitcher have a couple you know, a couple innings out of the bullpen here or there, that, that's – that's that can't hurt in the playoffs, but by any question. No, and I, th- I think that it's going to help them moving forward. Um, so obviously, we're going to keep an eye all, on all Red Sox things and um, really keep an eye on kind of how the postseason goes. We'll be back next week with obviously the first week of um, recapping some games that's going on in the postseason. But there is some stuff to talk about around the league as well. Um, so we want to make sure we get to that. Um, First of all, let's talk about Vince Scully a second here, um, because as a media guy, as a broadcaster, I understand someone who I understand a call. Like you know, like I'll be one to turn off calls. Uh, I've sunk up radio calls to TV because I don't like I appreciate some calls. You know, like I'm one to do that, and I know you guys appreciate a good call too. And what Vince Scully's meant to baseball. Um, called his final career game today. Um, Dodgers played the Giants. Guys, he's meant a lot to this game. Obviously, more to the Dodgers system, but. He's he's a figurehead in the in the broadcasting world, so I wanted to, obviously we wanted to make sure we kind of um, paid our respects to a guy who's done it for so long and so well. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Sixty seven years with the same organization, and I really loved his send off. I don't know if you guys watched it yet, but it was just it was perfect. It was so fitting, and it it's crazy. I was talking to my grandmother today about him and she's been around for the whole 67 years that he's been here so it's just it's kind of cool hearing from somebody who's listened to him for his for his whole career and just to see like 
what he meant to the fans. Kind of like if Don Rosello meant this much to Boston, I can't imagine like what he means to to the fans out in LA. In four in four times as much time. <laughs> yep. It's <laughs> absurd. Yeah, this guy is nuts. How how is he still doing this? At Eighty eight years old with like the sharpness that that just boggles my mind to do that for so long and to be that old and still to be that good. It's it's unbelievable. He probably I mean, I, bowling too. Seems like it. Yeah, I mean, it seems like he's in good shape. I don't know. I mean, I. I'll admit I haven't heard a ton of him because you know, I don't watch Dodgers games and you know, I haven't been alive for 67 years and all that. <laughs> you um, haven't? Oh, really? So, You're never going to guess. <laughs> I am not Lawrence Grandma. Uh, <laughs> so, so I can't admit to be, like hearing a ton of his games, but he's got a great voice. I've heard him from time to time. And uh, just just doing the same thing for 67 years and still having the passion to do it for that long and to still care so much and to be just such a impactful person, that's really cool. I mean, he's he's the man. And I wish I could say I heard more of his stuff because, like, I'm sure if I was talking about this guy, like I've heard Don Orsolo times four, I'd probably be talking about him for about three hours. But just what he's done and to be that old and to still be doing it, that's remarkable. 21 years old to 88 years old. That's absurd. It's yeah. it's crazy. And I and the humor he finds in it, too, like he said they asked, like, what he plans to do with his time, and he's like, I'm going to try to live. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to keep, I'm going to try to keep kicking. He's like, what else do you do at this age? And I was like, oh, that's just, that's just great. Like, he's so witty, and he just has still so much energy for his age. Like, if, God willing, I make it to that age, I hope I have half the enthusiasm he does. Right, most people are, like, trying to figure out how to get to the table for a a meal at that point, much less calling up baseball. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I know, right? Like, if, if I'm getting out of bed so at 88, that's that's a success. Um, right. Never mind going to work every day like that. So, um, God bless that's him, crazy. and obviously he'll be well, hopefully for a couple, at least 10 more years. Hopefully, seems like he's in good spirits. So, obviously, a huge look to what he meant um, to the baseball community and the Dodgers community. Um, one thing that's crazy, um, and we do want to look a little bit here at the postseason matchups. The Cardinals haven't made the play, didn't make the playoffs this year, and they haven't done that since 2010. So. Obviously, impressive run, not as dominant of a team this year with some injuries as well. But, guys, really weird seeing the Cardinals not in the playoffs this year. Yeah, very weird. They're always there, and now they're not. Yeah, it's kind of what I said on last week's show. I was like, I we were picking, me and Nick were picking who would make it. And I was, yeah, part of me didn't believe it, but I was like, you know, the Cardinals are always there. I was like, they'll find a way. The Giants will find a way. The Mets will find a way to screw it up. And it didn't happen. They finished a game behind both of them. But, yeah, I mean, it's weird season for them. Bad home record, 38 and 43. Great road record, 48 and 33. So it's like they were the best road team in the league this year, but just no home success and just not quite enough wins. They still had a good season, but it's just too many good teams, I guess. It's a handful of good teams in the uh, the National League, and they just weren't quite good enough, which is good for the rest of baseball because they're always dangerous in the playoffs no matter what they do. Yeah, and, and, and it's, I mean, who – the Giants and the Mets beat them out for the wild card spot. You have the, that game going on, uh, which will be a very good one-game um, playoff, I'm sure. Um, I expect that to be a very good game. Um, other wild card, you obviously have Blue Jays, Orioles. Um, so you have three ALS teams who are in the playoffs as of right now, which is cool. Um, thank God one of them is going to be out. <laughs> Hoping the Blue Jays lose, hopefully. Um, that game is going to be in Baltimore, though. So that could help them out a lot if they can fill this st- stupid stadium because they never do for some I reason. thought it was in Toronto. I thought it was it in Baltimore. Is it? It's in Toronto. Oh, it is? I was yeah. wrong? That's unfortunate. I thought it was in Baltimore. I could have sworn I heard something. someone say on the radio today it was in Baltimore. <laughs> oh, yeah, well. I think Toronto. Well, they tied, right? They had the same record. But they, did, they did tie. I guess. Is it I guess Toronto had yeah. Is it head-to-head? Right. Must be head-to-head. Yes, that's the next tiebreaker. Um, okay, so it's in Toronto. So never mind. Toronto's probably going to win then. Uh, um, so that being said, you got playoff matchups around the league that are exciting obviously Austin against Cleveland should be a good series you have the Dodgers playing the Nationals that could potentially be a really good series in the first round um then you obviously have um the Rangers and the Cubs waiting on these wild card games um guys there's a lot of good baseball coming up our way for sure in October oh yeah it's I mean all these series are set to be really good series I mean I can see you know, besides obviously besides the wild card, I can see see these going multiple multiple games. I'm so mixed about wild cards because like I like I hate that, it. 
hate it. I like the next. Well, I like the next year team has a chance at least because that team wouldn't have a chance normally. But then you see the matchup and you get excited. It's like, oh, Baltimore, Toronto. And it's one game. It's like it's so anticlimactic. I wish that they could just be a series. I understand why it can't be, but it's like you hate to knock one of these teams out so quickly. I mean, look at the Pirates all these years. Look at the Pirates all these years. I know it's sad. It's it really is sad. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I like that they have a chance, but it's just too difficult if you lose. See, I hate it because look, the team like the Pirates for the last couple years could have been a team to go all the way. You know, again, in a seven-game series, I would have taken the Pirates a lot of the time. But you know, in one-game situation, for some reason, they couldn't pull it off. Um, so I look at it as a situation where I don't like the wild card. I get why they did it. It's extra game. It's extra money, whatever. But I think overall, I, I just don't agree with the wild card game because it's clear one team really does deserve it. And you play the playing game if you die. Yeah, I'm so torn on it, too. And it's one game. And I feel like there it does. These, these teams, their entire season comes down to one game. And if they lose, their season's over. And it's so, like, it's so frustrating because... I see a series like the Mets and the Giants, and I would love to watch that as a as a series and not just one game. Right? It's so like unsatisfying. Like, why you have to lose after one game? Toronto, Baltimore, that'd be a great five game series. It's it's really a shame. It's too bad. I'm looking forward to seeing Texas though in the playoffs because I haven't seen a whole lot of them this year. Ninety five wins, but their run differential is eight. How good can they be? Yeah, really. I, I think. I, well, I think it's. Like, it's I want to know. It's pitching. They win close games. I think that's the big thing. Um, they they win the close games, and that's why they're a good team. Plus, obviously, pitching and um, late game, they're big about winning the close games. I think that's why they have such a good team. I think they just they were just in a lot of close game situations this year. I think I read yeah. correctly that they have the best record in one game, one run games in history. Really which makes sense. That's with a lot. that run differential. I mean, yeah. If you're if you're the, if you're the best record in the American League with a plus, you say six or eight. Eight. Like, plus eight plus eight that's run nothing. differential. That's that's nothing at all. That's like a team where you expect to be like a wild card team, maybe. <laughs> like plus eight like, diff- run differential is nothing. Like the Mariners have a sixty-one run dif- differential, and they were nine games behind the Rangers. That doesn't make any sense. No, not at all. It's so weird how like these standings work, and like just how record and affects so much, and it's just crazy. Like a differential run differential of eight, and it's. And then you said the Mariners were nine, they're right behind them, but they were so far behind them in, in the standings. It's like, jeez. Yeah, it, it's incredible. It's going to be fun to watch. I think this postseason set up to be a really good one. Um, hopefully, for justice sake, his Giants win that wild card game so his World Series pick can still come right, uh, come true. But we'll Until they play the Red Sox. Until they play the Red Sox. Until they play the Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> and then my pick. Right, then your pick comes in to come yeah. into play. I would love to see a Cubs Red Sox World Series. That'd be so. Well, of course, it's everyone's dream World Series. Who doesn't want to see that? And it should right? have happened. It should have happened in two thousand three. Three, yeah, right. But <laughs> we all know. Talk about two thousand three. Um, thirteen years later. Thirteen years later, it could happen again. Um, that being said. We're going to get out of here for the week. Don't forget, of course, the show is brought to you by Blue Apron. Um, don't forget to check it out. Red Sox Beat. Uh, get a little promo here for us. So go to blueapron.com backslash Red Sox Beat, and you'll get your first three meals for free with free shipping. Go check out the menu. Check it out. you get your first three meals for free and kind of ease into it and kind of see how we, why we love it so much. Um, good week of, um, of baseball ahead. Um, and, guys, predictions-wise, who knows what's going to happen this week? <laughs> let's try let's let's guess yeah. <laughs> five game uh, series the indians five game series against the indians um jess what do you think are oh, you putting me on the spot first y- yep don't you guys better it. already have your answers i don't want you copying me i have mine ready to go <laughs> all right cool all right i'm gonna say red sox and five you know normally uh, there's been a lot of sweeps in the first round i know the the Red Sox, you know, swept the Angels in 04. This been they've gotten swept in the ALDS. White Sox in 05. But I don't know. I feel like this is a good series. Uh, obviously, the Indians have some problems, um, and I I still wouldn't have picked them even with that. But I think that with just I don't know the way the Kimbrel's looking right now, just close games. Um, the offense could could bash. I don't know. It might be a sweep. But I just think with the first two games in Cleveland, I think it's going to be an exciting close series. Rick Porcello on the mound, game five. He gets the win. Sox win in five. Maybe that's being too generous to the Indians, but I I think it's going to be a really good series. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you. Red Sox in five is written oh, down right here. Me. Me. No, it's written <laughs> right down, right here. And the thing, I just think it's I think it's gonna be a, a hard fought series. I don't think it's gonna be easy by any means and I think it's I don't think the home field advantage is really gonna affect the Red Sox and it, it I don't think it really ever has. And it's gonna be it's gonna be hard fought. I'm really excited to see Terry Francona again and I mean these are two really good teams that have been really good all season. So it's it's not gonna be easy. And I'll be surprised if it's if it's a sweep by by either team, but I'm going Red Sox in five. You guys are gonna think I'm on loopy pills here. Um but oh, I'm going to sweep. Your ceremony I'm, I'm going Red Sox in four. Um I think that you will slip up a game here, but I just think you are the better team, um, especially with Porcello getting that start right away. I think David Price is going to get out of his postseason funk. I think this is the time for him to do it. He's on the right team. He's got the right people around him with Ortiz and everything. Um, I think despite the manager, and I think there's some holes with this team with the bullpen and, and obviously Craig Kimbrell, but I think this series you're good enough to beat the Indians, especially with their injuries and their situation right now. Um, so I, I think Red Sox in four is pretty a reasonable uh, request for me. Yeah, I could totally see that. I thought you were going to say sweep, which might be a little... Yeah, me too. <laughs> thought about it, and I was like, eh, probably not. The optimism, the David Price optimism. Who are you, Jared? I, I don't you. know. I don't know, but I just feel like... Well, you've, the... you've pretended, David, you pretended he's been good all season long, so... <laughs> I knew he was terrible at the beginning, but he's been good the whole second half. So, like, he's been back to who he has been, obviously, except for the last couple starts, but I look at it in the sense of He's in the right situation for him to succeed. So if he can't do it now, he's not going to do it ever. So I think that's why I think it's Do you have confidence time. in him, though? Like, is there, is there any confidence? Yeah, because of the way he's been pitching until recently. Like, the whole second half, he's been great. Um, until recently. Okay, so Kimbrell was great for two months, and now he hasn't been two, two games in a row. You don't have confidence in him. What's the difference? Well, because David Price doesn't have control issues. He has home run issues, though. <laughs> 30 home runs. I, I have more confidence in David Price than I do Craig Kimbrell. I don't know. Well, I, I don't. Call me crazy. <laughs> um, I think this is the I year for him. Times. I think this is the year. I think he's in the right situation with the right team. Just I think this is the time for him to kind of bail out of that slump. Um, so call me crazy. But that being said, we're going to get out of here for the week with those predictions. It's very exciting that the next time we'll talk to you guys, we'll talk, we're talking about real Red Sox playoff games like what that actually happened. Um, so we will talk about that next week. Until then, uh, for Jess Thomas and Lauren Campbell, I am Jared Scally, and this has been Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Radio. <laughs>